This episode contains explicit content. Please be thoughtful about who you listen to this with. And I love it when my six or eight-year-old at this point go, Dad, I have to tell you something. I dropped your computer. Okay. Thank you so much for telling me. I love it when you tell me stuff. Anytime you tell me something, I want to hear it. I One of my favorite things to do is hear what my kids are saying. Like, reinforce that. That way, when there's something way more important than your stupid computer dropping of my boyfriend. You know, I'm imagining seven years from now, my daughter having to tell me about some boyfriend. But I want her to be able to tell me and not live in shame. Hi, this is Father Jonathan coming to you again with another in our podcast series uh, called God and Sex. And I have with me here again uh, Father Justin Holcomb, actually Canon Justin Holcomb, working for the Diocese of Central Florida. Justin, glad to have you again. Reverend Canon. Reverend, Reverend Canon Dr. Justin right. Holcomb. So is. if you can get them all in order. I, I, I apologize. I'm truly sorry. And I humbly repent as right one Well, says. I can absolve you. <laughs> you can absolve me. Good. <laughs> We want to come now uh, with a topic that uh, it's uh, difficult to talk about and yet so, so important. And that is, uh, this, is this podcast is really for parents about helping their kids to uh, know the boundaries of safe touch and what it means to have good um, uh, understanding from our children so that they are not taken advantage of. And Justin, just to start off, you know, it seems to me that... Uh, a lot of parents would just immediately think, well, this is never going to happen to my kids. They're just around Absolutely. people that, uh, that I know they're around. What bad thing could happen to my kids? So what would you say to yeah. sort of a parent who just says, yeah, this is, this is a heavy topic. Easy, yeah. easy, guys. Yes, yeah, it's called child sexual abuse prevention. And you say that and people think, well, I know my neighbors. I know my church. Right. And I know my family members. I think we're good mm-hmm. because my kids aren't around a lot of strangers. I even know the teachers really well. And that all of the stats say that one out of five children... And that's, that's conservative. Some people say one out of three, one out of four. But one out of five is the conservative one. One out of five children will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday. And then people hear that and go, wow, that sounds crazy. Well, who's doing this? We're all these strangers doing this. Well, here's the thing. 34% of perpetrators are family members of that child. So that means moms, dads, uncles, cousins, brothers, sisters, you know, crazy, you know, just grandfathers. Mm. So 34% are family members. 58% are acquaintances, teachers, doctors, youth pastors, so 60%. pastors. So 60%. So between seven, you know, that would leave 7%, maybe up to 10% are strangers. Strangers aren't really the threat as much. Yes, it does happen every once in a while. Mm. But for the most part, what happens is, is someone that is, is known by the child and that the child trusts. Mm. So the parents need to be smarter. Here's the thing. The average perpetrator has about 120 victims in their life of abuse. Wow. They're really good at this. They're strategic. They, they look for opportunities. They are, they will, they will groom. They will wait weeks, months, to get alone and finally gain the caregiver's trust to actually be able to strike. And then they start the sexual abuse slowly. They don't, they don't, it's not some random stranger breaks into the house that can happen, right. but in, and suddenly starts doing horrible. That's not what we're talking abuse. about today. We're talking, we're talking about, about grooming, grooming and strategic. Okay. So when you have the parents need to know those things and we're so parents care so much about, we talk about fire safety, like personal safety training. And so, uh, th- this is, comes out of and is connected to a book my wife and I did a kids book mm-hmm. so it's not you know it's not it's it is a for 
three to eight year olds called God made all of me, how to help our children protect their bodies. And say, say that title again. God made all of me. Mm-hmm. And the subtitle is how to help our children protect their bodies. And you can find that on Amazon everywhere. All it's right, Amazon. Good, 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 it, it, good. it, uh, it went, it's gone nuts. Good. Like apparently good. there was a big need for this. And it's about how to teach your children, how to, how to, how to teach children about their bodies and appropriate mm-hmm. touch and inappropriate touch. Good, good. Um, and, and how do you, you know, who do you trust? And we'll go through all of those things. Okay, good. Um, so we, we, we talk about fire safety training, traffic safety, swimming safety, bike safety. I, my kids, I live in Florida. My kids took a swim safety class. So parents need to be as intense as those other types of safety about helping kids think through. And so there's ways of doing this and having conversations with your kids. And so we, at the end of our book, we had the book and it went through all the stuff we're about to talk about. But we wrote a letter, a, a nine point letter to parents just saying, what are some ways, here are some ways that you can protect your children from sexual abuse. And so that, I just wanted to go through the very simple things of just telling parents really practically, what are, what are ways of having conversations? What are things you need to be thinking about that you can start doing this now? Good. We started, I mean, we started doing a lot of these things when our kids were infants. So they grew up with normal conversation. And I'll, I'll explain some of those when we get to them. So that's the need is because... The threat, and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer as we talked about in the previous podcast, but um, this is just a reality. Just making sure that every if, parent's equipped with these nine. If parents can do uh, some do simple nine things, steps. What do you call them? Nine, th- nine ways. Nine ways. Nine to ways to help protect your kid. Good. And these are. It's, this is like when people talk about the importance of wearing a seatbelt. It's like okay, you can grab the seatbelt and click it in, and the the stats on safety from doing a very simple step go through the roof same thing here these are all of these are very simple things parents can do let's do it then. so the big one well all of them are big ones but the first one for us because we're christians and we we it's normal for us to talk to our kids about god is to explain to the child that god made their body okay. they, their bodies are the creation every part of your body was made by god Every part was good, and some parts are private. So just the idea, what it does is it bestows honor. The idea that God made this, this in creation, it was called good also. Uh, And there's some parts that are good, but those aren't to share. And so just giving them the category of private. But the big idea on the first point is that God made my body. And this is important because especially religious people, it's the temptation is to highly value the spiritual over the material. And so some parents are hearing this and thinking, well, God made their soul and their heart, but their body, I don't know if we really want to talk about bodies because bodies, they have desires. And those are, there's a, there's some type of religious assumption that bodies and their desires are kind of automatically bad. So that's the first one okay. is letting kids know and, and saying this and not just saying God made your body, but finding cool ways to say, be like, Hey, what's your, like, what, what body part like is like the coolest, uh-huh. like find, getting them to actually talk about like, I like my eyes. Why? Cause I can see the, or my girls right now they're swimming a lot. They're talking about their lungs a lot. So we have conversations okay. about this. Um, just building familiarity with them being able to express and verbalize who they are and who God made them as good. Yeah. Beautiful. That's nice. Now, some people are hearing that and thinking that could that that can go really hokey. It sure can go hokey. Well, like, when they're little, you know, it's cool. They don't mind. <laughs> My kids didn't mind hokey because they didn't know it was hokey. Yeah, it felt hokey to me, and I was like, oh, that feels weird. But they don't know, so whatever. Let's roll with it. So the, this number, the, the second one is um, where where you're going to earn your PG. What what are you? Uh, what's your rating for the podcast, Jonathan? This one, this series is PG thirteen. 
Okay, well, we'll see if we can keep it there. Okay. The, this one's very important, which is teaching proper names of private body parts. Okay. Um, it, it's most likely going to be uncomfortable at first to start using the proper names. But using the proper names is important for lots of reasons. Children need to know the proper names for their genitals because um, this this gives children correct language for understanding their body and for being able to answer questions when asked. Um, so, and I'm not saying you only use the proper names, but if you only use nicknames for private parts, right. what it does is it it kind of clouds the private parts in shame and mystery. It makes really? them like, yeah, if you're like, yeah, okay. if because it makes it like like well, this is my elbow. You can see my elbow right there. Okay, mm. if I'm like this, this is my baseball thrower. Okay, it's like well, That's yeah, weird. it is. So if I'm like, hey, this is my no, I'm not showing anything to you. But, <laughs> no, also well. no, this isn't. Well, we're good. This isn't. This isn't my pea shooter. This gotcha. is. It's called a penis. Okay, and this isn't my lily. I don't have one, but this is what we had to say to her. That's not your lily. It's a vagina. And if you keep on, you don't call other parts of your body's nicknames. So by nicknaming private parts, it kind of mystifies it. It's confusing to the kids. The other reason is because if, if creepy um, grandpa or cousin uh, starts touching one of those parts, it's a little bit helpfully unnerving to them when, the five-year-old uh, kid says, why are you touching my vagina, uncle? Mm. Instead of, and it doesn't make it a plaything. It's not a cupcake. Right. And if you make a private part a cupcake. So in a sense, you're it, almost empowering it makes, your children it makes it a to play thing. confront yeah. uh, possible abuse, even in that moment. Well, yeah, it confronts it. It keeps it from being a plaything. It bestows honor to the fact that what it actually is. And also, if there is an allegation, if there is suspicion and someone talk, and I've heard stories where a three-year-old was like um well did so-and-so touch you yes where did he touch you um here and like because they couldn't actually get the child to say something close to it just for reporting purposes yeah. is actually a helpful tool um and you can you can do this um you know this isn't a dinner table conversation for most families this is really done well when you're potty trading right giving him a bath um, getting changed, and it just it's just it normalizes it for them. Where they're not like you know they know private parts are private. You, no one touches yours, and you don't touch other people's. So there's there's clarity about that, but it also is just kind of normalizing the fact that everyone's got one. So the point, you know, my kids sometimes years from now they will listen to this and just be embarrassed that I'm telling these stories, but. Um, they they will just joking you be like you know what you know we'll, we'll be hanging out with some of our adult friends will be like you know what I saw so and so you know they you know if they had to check their fly or readjust they, they'll actually be like so and so you know did this I'm like oh my goodness like they're they're so comfortable actually talking about it and uh, it makes you blush a little bit <laughs> it makes me blush quite a bit well just as a story to, uh, along this point uh, when we were training our kids uh, about um, being boys and girls and healthy. Uh, sexual identity talk, we were using this Lutheran series. I forget the name of it exactly, but uh, the very first book was from for ages three to five, and it's all about uh, being a part of a family. You have a mom and a dad, or, or maybe you have um, 
just a mom or just a dad or and and you also have a family at church and that's your church family and uh, you have an extended family you have a grandma and grandpa and uncles and then you turn the page and it says and boys have penises and girls vaginas and I'm like wait wait we were talking about church families a minute <laughs> we went ago from first year to right yeah, what year. just happened and what was always <laughs> funny was okay so my kids uh, there was a season you know kids get stuck into books there was a season that my kids wanted that book read at bedtime. And I always knew where the neck, that where it transitioned from the family of God into genitalia, and I'm like, oh, here we go. And you know, for them, it was totally cool. They had, yeah. you know, I was the one squirming. Yes, I was the one like, oh man, I don't want to say. And that's these the things. important point for but people to they hear. They were, they didn't care at all. They were like, well, of course I got a vagina. What's the big deal? And I'm like, you know, you're right. I'm the one with the hang up. Uh, you know, I, I obviously didn't say that, but you know, I, I could see very quickly I'm the one with the problem, not them. Yeah. And, and that's that, how we taught that language. That's what people need to hear is that the hangup is actually with us. I'm a dad with two girls. And thankfully, my wife does a lot of the heavy lifting. But I, they, they include me in the conversations on some, some of these things. We, uh, the, the book we have, The God Made All of Me, there's a page that actually goes through the body parts. And we name the body parts. Right. We, I mean, it's pretty obvious. And I've asked parents, I'm like, hey, take a picture of your kid's favorite page. I'm curious what it is. I knew what it was going to be. Yeah. But I just wanted to see how much. I seventy five percent. It was the private part, proper name page where yeah. kids just got a kick out of it because they like watching their parents squirm. And another just funny story on this one: we have a uh, last year had a babysitter who was reading to the girls, and one of our girls there was a specific book just like that kind of book. Right. She loved the book because of the private part, proper name yeah. thing. And so she was like, she kept on picking that book. So we came back and she, the poor babysitter for the first time was just reading through the book and got to that part of the thing <laughs> right when we we're walking in and the look on her face of like horror. We're like, is, is okay. We understand. You know, just this idea of taking away that shame and demystifying things. I will say that for um, my son, when he got into middle school and he started hearing uh, words for body parts that were then used as abuses one to another. Mm. Uh, I knew this was happening. And so one day I said, hey, buddy, why don't you uh, go in the other room? Here's a piece of paper and a, and a pencil. I want you to write down every swear you, word you know, and I want you to define them. And he was like, I, I can't do that. You're I mean, awesome. I, like, he was so embarrassed. I'm like, no, no, this is good. I said, I promise you, you're not in any trouble. Like, nothing bad will happen to you. I just... This is good because I want to make sure you know what each of these swear words means, and uh, I mean it was it was frankly fantastic. He misspelled eighty uh-huh. percent of them. And, and did you what, teach him any? Did you and, add your list? <laughs> yeah. and like, well, and you missed came, a few. Son, he came back and he's like, I actually don't know what these words mean. Like he, he had them written there. Like I don't, I'm unfamiliar. We use them, but I don't know what it refers to. And I was like, okay, good. I will now tell you. Uh, and I and I what was funny about that moment was I was like, okay, like. When you hit your um, your your finger uh, with a hammer, that's that's a that's a decent use uh, time for the S word. That that'll be, that'll be, that's actually appropriate in that moment because your hammer, your finger's probably broken, and you're you know if you need to swear, that's okay. Um, you lose a limb, F bomb, right on, you know. <laughs> but if you're not losing a limb, probably not the F bomb ever. Yeah. But if, if your leg's off, drop it. It's cool. I get it. Um, and basically trying to tell them like, there are contexts for these that I guess it could work but mostly they're way overused particularly by middle schoolers Yeah. and I also just wanted them to know that it was all about the nuance I said you know we could take the word peanut and make that a swear word if we put a context on it so I love what you're doing by just saying being honest about these yeah. things uh, I've tried to do that with my kids and it's been fun I mean because I'm the parent and can turn the tables I guess 
So go ahead, Justin. What else? I love that experience. There's going to be a lot of middle school kids with an oh, assignment it totally in the next few weeks. I every I swear word. Like, now he doesn't want to use them anymore. Because I'm always like, only use it if you can define it properly, son. He's like, well, I can't. You have, like, to, well, spell you can't use you have it. to spell it, define <laughs> spell it, it, and use it in proper context. <laughs> there were a couple words, and I'm like, I'm not even sure what that word means, dude. Uh, let's go talk to your mom. I think it's a feminine thing. I'm not. I'm on oh my this goodness. one. <laughs> Well, that, that leads into perfectly um, the, the next one, which is invite your child's communication. And that's, okay. that's what you did. Right. That's it. Finding ways and open up the lines of communication now. Right. That way when you have – so this is a key of actually talking – doing the birds and the bees talk. Right. Many people, parents, they're tempted just to wait until they have to do it. By the way, you know, I, know, I know recently you did the pornography uh, episode for the podcast. <clears throat> and – I'm not sure what the stats are that were talked about, but the average age for pornography exposures under 11. Now. Right. Yeah. So there's, JJ there's that up. You know, 9, 10, 11-year-olds are actually seeing things before the parents are even talking about it. Right. So start talking about you know, how babies are made from the very beginning. Right. Start talking about body parts, and then God takes a little piece of mommy, a little piece of daddy. You can go a long way with a little piece of mommy, a little piece of daddy without explaining the how right. until they're like, a little bit older like so but you have the lines of communication you can actually talk about the more intense stuff and it's normal to talk about so opening up those lines of communication that's exactly what you were doing with your son was getting him to actually engage you on not only these words that was important but more importantly how he was actually engaging his world and how he was seeing things around right. him so you get those lines of communication going and uh, the kids the lines of communication are built you go after them. You pursue them. You also invite them. You keep that inviting but in, inviting and pursuing going. That way they know that there will become a time when they say, hey, I have to tell you something. Mm. And it could be something about has nothing to do with touch. Right. Like, and I love it when my six- or eight-year-old at this point go, Dad, I have to tell you something. I dropped your computer. Mm. Okay. Thank you so much for telling me. I love it when you tell me stuff. Anytime you tell me something, I want to hear it. I one of my favorite things to do is hear what my kids are saying. Like mm. reinforce that. that. That way, when there's something way more important than your yeah. stupid computer dropping, of you know, inappropriate touch. I mean, my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm imagining seven years from now, my daughter having to tell me about some boyfriend. But I want her to be able to tell me right. and not live in shame Let me just tell your daughter. and being paralyzed. Yeah, because that'll yeah, go a lot yeah, easier. Exactly, I know that is. Um, so, inviting your lines of communication—that's a—that's a doozy. The the next one is number four would be talking about touch and talk about appropriate and inappropriate touch. You don't want to use the language of good and bad because it actually is confusing for kids. Okay. Because good touch. In bad touch, because sometimes what is bad touch feels good. Hmm. So it's going to be really confusing. We're like, wait a second. That actually, you know, sometimes it actually felt good, but I thought that was bad. And it also makes them assume that they were bad for it having been done. It's amazing how many times victims of abuse, the major problem is self-blame. And so trying to get them out, out of the cycle of – this is adults. Trying to get them out of self-blame is huge. How much more for a kid? I mean how confusing to think because a perpetrator will say, I'm doing this because you're – there's a few things that they really go for. I'm doing this because you asked for it. 
or I'm doing this because you're bad, and this is this is what happens to bad kids, or dirty things happen to dirty girls. Like things like that, where mm. the pu- abuser is really good at making them feel like they're to blame. So getting people to talk so, about it's just so sick, I'm appropriate, so struggling in, with that. Yeah, wow. That's that's the line. That bad things happen to bad girls, or you asked for this, you wanted this, didn't you? And putting wanna, it back on makes a kid. Want to get violent with somebody? Just, yep. Oh, it does. I'm struggling. Sorry. It does. Keep going. Um, so and, and it's, make it. Make it uh, just a normal conversation. Like, hey, you know what? Sometimes, this is what we do with our, in our family, so use this however you can. But sometimes, uh, sometimes when I come home from work, I really, really want a hug and a kiss from, from mom. Sometimes, I just don't want one. I'm, I'm fine with mom. I love her. I'm just, I'm either sick or I'm tired or my feelings are hurt about something that happened. Someone said something. Sometimes, I don't want a hug and a kiss, and that's okay. Um, and so, explaining, you know, that you're allowed, and, and in addition to that, not just the categories of good touch, bad touch, and any kind of touch at a private part is an inappropriate touch, unless it's mom and dad helping you go to the bathroom or get clean, or, or if a doctor, doctor with mom and dad, yeah. you explain it. But also telling them that you can say stop, or I'm done, yeah. or I don't want to. Mission over their own bodies. That's that one's enormous because, um, and this one's this one's big with with families because grandma and grandpa love the kids. This happened with my dad and be like, Hey, come over here and give grandpa a hug. And my daughter, cause he has a beard, just didn't want to not had nothing to do with him said, I don't want to. And he said, Oh, come on. I'm getting ready to leave. I'm not going to see you for a few more weeks. Come over here and give me a kiss. Give me a hug and a kiss. And I just pulled my dad aside. I said, dad, I know you. I love the fact that you love these daughters. Like, I love this. This is like the most fulfilling thing is watching my mom and dad with my kids. Like, yeah, I'm in cool. heaven. Yeah. But do you want your granddaughter thinking it's normal for a man to pester and beg for physical affection? Ouch. And he goes, ooh. Yikes. No. <laughs> he got it. He got it right away. Okay. As he that walked over, he said, powerful. Sophia, I'm sorry. High five. See you later. <laughs> Give yeah. her. And then what did she do? She was like. Well, guess what? I got a hug for you. So it ended up working out okay. and everything. But but helping and, and usually this one can be offensive because we're so used to teaching kids to be right. polite. And if grandma and asks for a kiss, adult. obey the adult. And explaining um, what that actually looks like. And so and explain. So tell people like, hey, we don't force our kids to give so and so a hug. We don't force them to go sit on anyone's lap. And letting them know that. And we actually played a game with our girls. And this was my wife's idea. Um, I would tickle them. And the rule was they would say, stop or all done. And I had to stop. And so the goal was for them to see how long they could take. But what we were trying to do was they thought it was a fun tickle game. But what we were doing was actually making them get used to when they say stop or all done, it stops. Gotcha. The, the expectation is, and if I ever didn't hear them and went longer, I mean, it went like, like dad's unjust. Like, what do you think? <laughs> I said, stop and all done. What are okay, you doing? And yeah. I'm like, yes, okay. I want that built into the fabric right. of your, of who you are. Nice. So, uh, talking about touch, you can, that's the big one right there. Mm-hmm. The, the fifth one is not asking your child to maintain your emotions. Uh, that's what an abuser will actually do. The reason you do this is because it's, one, just psychologically, you don't want to have a codependent relationship with your child emotionally. The strategic reason is because that's what an abuser is going to do. An abuser is going to try to, hey, I'm really sad. Will you come over here and give me a hug? Mm. And they will misuse the 
the kindness of a child. Right. Because that's a really cool thing. That right. it, that's a gift a child can give. Like right. when I'm bummed out, man, one of the best things is coming home and be like, oh, you know what? That didn't go well today, but this beautiful woman and these two kids, woohoo! Like it's it's like medicine for the soul, right? And the, the girls know that. Now, for someone to misuse their sense of their presence as a gift, as a tool against them, yeah. that's what people would try to do. Hey, why don't you come over here? Will you? Hey, my arm really hurts. Will you rub my arm? And then it turns into will you rub other things? Um, I mean, it that, that's that's the strategy of a perpetrator. So this one on not maintaining isn't just to have a healthy emotional relationship. It's actually strategic to not let that happen. And I I remember one time I just said. I came back, and this was a few years ago. My daughter, was, I think she was five, my oldest. And I don't even know what the thing was. It was some bad thing happened. And it wasn't, like, devastating. I was just, like, annoyed or bummed out and sad. I remember being sad. I remember I came home. I sat down. I was like, Phew. I said, hey, honey. I'm like, I'm really sad. Can I have a hug? And as soon as I said it, I thought, that sounded weird. <laughs> like, and, uh, and Lindsay kind of looked at me, and, and I was like, don't worry about that one. And then later on, <laughs> but, but it's a natural thing. And okay. so it, I'm not, I'm not saying not to have deep, meaningful emotions with but your don't kids. Don't use your children to don't, satisfy them. Don't dump them on them. They gotcha. can't, they can't carry that weight. Nice. Um, six, six big thing is throw out the word secret. Don't even use the word. Uh, that secret is going back to the strategy. Secret is the category a perpetrator will use. This is our secret and secrets are, you know, and because secrets, so we just, we've thrown out the word secret. Now, you, here's the thing. You don't just, just like you don't only use private part, proper names for private parts. You go ahead and use some nicknames. Have, make it funny. Like, yeah. get them to laugh about it, but also make it normal. Right. You don't just throw out the word secret. You replace it with surprise. Okay. And say, hey, we don't do secrets because secrets secrets can make people feel left out. It can feel dark or scary. Surprises, those are fun. And so now it's really funny when you train your kids like this and then at school some little kid goes, hey, I want to tell you a secret. And your kindergartner goes, no secrets, no secrets, no secrets. Or if I, I'll be like, hey, I got a quick – You call from the teacher that day, um, Mr. Holcomb. <laughs> they, they do call your, you. Your uh, daughter's freaking out here about, about secrets. Can you about a in? secret. She apparently is not keeping confidence. <laughs> I'm like, Why is she not, losing her mind doing. over secrets? So what have you done to her? Uh, so uh, I – one time I uh, – I, I I said, hey, I'm like, I got a, I got a secret. And it was, a, it was a surprise for my wife. And we were, mom, dad wants us to keep a secret. And I'm like, no, oh. I, I got you. So they're a little bit vigilant. And, um, <laughs> well, but, it's because kids are black and white thinkers. I mean, they, yeah. they haven't learned how to think abstractly yet. And so in that black and white concrete world, if you taught them that secrets are uh, not what they need to be after, and they're going to they're gonna be pretty clear on that. Secrets are toast. Well, that and body parts, the secret one in body parts has got me into trouble okay. because um, I, one of my girls, I, I think I went to go grab her. We were in public somewhere, like a doctor's office or a bank, somewhere quiet. I went to go grab her shirt and kind of just tug on her. I, was, I think I was just playing with her, and I, I, I pinched the top of her butt. Mm. And she looked at me and she said, don't touch my butt, daddy. Like, oh, kind of matter of fact, like, this is my domain. It's got made my body part. That's a private right. part. You're not supposed to touch it. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Like, now the, DCF's uh, coming. The, Great. Thanks. The vigilant, vigilant child. Um, but I'd rather have that as Amen. an issue. So, Much safer. I'm, I'm good, good with that. So, throw out the word secret. And then 
kind of connected to that is clarify the rules for doctor. Playing is this number eight? Number seven. Number seven. Clarifying okay. the rules for playing doctor. Um, what doctor does is it can turn body parts into a game. And if they want to play doctor, redirect them to playing vet. Like, get them away. What kids don't need to do is turn private parts into playthings. And because that's what a perpetrator will do. Mm. So see if you can gently redirect them to, hey, let's play vet. Let's not do this to each other. Let's do this together on this animal and make it its leg. It doesn't you know, have to be the private parts of the animal. It could be, I guess. But So redirect them because, again, you're trying to get them thinking about thinking about private parts okay. and, and getting that one. Um, uh, there's been a lot of – because what happens is when you go over and you have the sleepover at neighbor's house. By the way, you know, I'm, I'm that guy who doesn't do – sleepovers so um okay. we we don't we, we just have them come over and play and i other people can spend the night at our house i'm just not trusting my kids over to you know so and so i don't know if their brother's around i don't right. know any of those things right. but what ends up happening the stories i've heard a lot of over yeah what ended up happening was me and my friend were playing private we were playing we were playing um doctor, doctor and then the older sister came mm. who's five years older or the right. older brother who was 12 or 14 or 18 came in and started playing with us. And then it turned into this other thing. So the older children who play, it's not so much. It can happen that, that the peer sexual abuse can happen. I've, I've heard of five and six year olds who've been sexually abused. They play doctor and they do the same thing to their friend playing doctor that was done to them by their father or their uncle mm. or their, so you, you just want to keep just, it, it can be radioactive, so why get close to That's it? That's right. Just turn into a okay. make them vets. Uh, eight is identify who to trust, whom to trust. Mm-hmm. Um, in part of our book, we actually go through and say, you know, you can trust, you know, who the caregiver is. is it, the caregiver might be a grandparent, might be um, a brother or sister, might be the biological mom and dad or step whoever. Mm-hmm. But who are the caregivers? Um, can you trust them? Yeah, that's one key. And then going through. And making a list. We do this basically kind of an ongoing list because you know, relationships come and go. So at our church, we have a new new priest at our church where, where I serve, where I volunteer. He came on staff, and we really like him. I know him pretty well. They're very vigilant about certain things. And we said, hey, you can trust, you know, Father So-and-so and his wife. Like, they should be on your list too. And they're like, okay. okay. So if you're at church, who do we trust at church? We trust that person, that person, that person. Okay. And, so, and then who do we trust at school? And, and there's some people, if the kids just get a weird vibe, yeah, sometimes kids, yeah. they got the better radar yeah. than we do. And sometimes I'll be like, you know, I just don't like, that person makes me feel weird. I'm like, don't worry about Good it. Enough. Stay away from That's them right. and go That's for right. it. So, but identifying, what it's doing is it's preparing the kids, well, just for basic leading themselves later on in life of actually imagining, you know, who they could trust, big picture, that kind of skill. But what it does is it lets them, it, they're preparing and it sets them up for the eventual. It's like having auto insurance. It's, it's just a good thing to have. I mean, hopefully you never have to use it. But if they, if they do, do you want your kid feeling like, well, mom and dad aren't here? You know, because, you know, we're helicopter parents and we're the only people that can protect them. Well, who else? You want them feeling alone because you're not there? Well, hopefully not. Hopefully they, they'll be able to figure out who else is around. And then the last one is report suspected abuse immediately. Mm-hmm. If you're the caregiver... You're not, you're not an investigator. There's an expert who knows how to ask kids questions and knows how to ask perpetrators yes, questions. Like if a perpetrator has 120 victims average on their li- in their life, well, guess what? There's been people that have asked questions about them before. 
And they've learned how to lie really well and get around your investigative questions. Your job is do not investigate, report. Don't investigate, report. And report, like if your child says so-and-so, this happened, believe them and report it. And so what's going to happen if, if, if my, one of my children says that so-and-so in such-and-such place did this thing, and I know that person, and I go, honey, can you, can you say as much as you can that you feel comfortable saying, yeah, they did this? I report it, and they go to my friend and say, they investigate him. Right. If he comes to me and he gets up and he's like, hey, man, why didn't you come to me first? And gets all upset. I'm like, How? you get a throat punch for that, buddy. Yeah. If he, but the person who's innocent gets it. They go, dude, I don't know what in the world happened. I didn't do anything. I'm so sorry. I know they investigated. So, uh, I, like, I'm completely fine reporting immediately. Now, you don't want to have a hair trigger. Like, you actually have to ask the kid a question. Be like, Dad, they touched me inappropriately. Like, what happened? They're like, oh, well, I, I ran toward them and jumped on them, and his hand brushed against my hip. I'm like, well, yeah, okay. Um, that's different than, well, I was at Sunday school, and then the youth helper asked me to sit on his lap, and then blah, 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 blah. That's, that's very yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so reporting immediately. And there are, you know, you, you, we joked about DCF, um, and there's, there are sexual abuse hotline numbers all over the place. So reporting is not difficult to do. You can just call the police non-emergency line or the emergency line, depending on what the situation is. They will give you the number and tell you exactly how to call. You can even do it anonymously if you oh. need to. So there's the, the reporting is – and this is the thing is that in the church, the church is one of the worst places. That's why I love that we're actually talking about this because we're leaders in churches. Churches are some of the worst places where things are hidden and then covered over with spiritual jargon and platitudes mm-hmm. of well we don't want to we don't want to air other people's sins and god forgives us we forgive other people and especially when you're trying to grow churches what are growing churches trying to do they're trying to get people in the building to serve and lead so what they end up doing is lowering their standards on oh, people okay. and church plants are one of churches and especially church plants are breeding grounds for this kind of thing perpetrators know Go to churches because they will let. They don't have any standards. Many churches don't have any standards, and they're looking for volunteers. And they won't even have a do you have a background check, let alone anything else. And they don't have any policies and procedures. You can actually be alone with children, and no one will be in there. So the churches need to have policies and procedures on these things. And there was a there was a, the woman's name is I believe Salter, and I don't remember the name of the book. Um, I can look it up before we end. But she interviewed perpetrators, and he that one perpetrator said Christians are the easiest. You would think that they would actually be suspicious about people because of what the Bible says about sin, but apparently they think everyone's just really sweet and kind and good, and they're easy to dupe. They are really vulner- they're really trusting, and they hand over vulnerable kids left and right. Wow. Churches are the great place to go to to oh, so painful. Yeah. Well, I, I love where you've taken us here today, Justin, and I also wanted to say, you know, there, there needs to be a balance here, and I know you've already sort of teased this out a bit, between uh, knowledge and fear. Absolutely. Because the fearful parent will listen to this and be like, oh, well, uh, if I just insert myself and have more control, then uh, everything will be fine. And of course, that's not true, and you're not teaching your kid how to be really uh, responsible for themselves and not how to interact in a, in a very dynamic and complex world. So what you've really equipped us today with is with uh, understanding and knowledge. Um, if folks want to know more and learn more about this topic, 
suggestions, where would you send them? Okay. Uh, if they're between three and eight and you need a resource, God made all of me. Okay. So that's this. Our last name's Holcomb. God made all of me. It's easy to find. Spell Holcomb. H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Justin and Lindsay Holcomb. God made all of me. There's that. There's also a group. I'm on the board with Boz Chivijan and a whole bunch of others who are lawyers, psychologists, pastors, seminary professors. It's called Grace, Godly Response to Abuse in Christian Environments. It's netgrace.org, netgrace.org. And it is all about sexual abuse prevention, recognition, and um, reporting, response. That's, I'm, lucky, I'm not reporting, but response. So um, recognition, prevention, and responding to uh, uh, sexual abuse. NetGrace is wonderful. And then there's also all word, NetGrace. netgrace.org. And it's just typing godly response to abuse in Christian environments, and you hopefully will find it. And another really helpful book is uh, Dr. Churbin, I believe his name is. I'll look it up in a second, too, or you all can post it and bring it up. He has a book called How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex. And it's, it's, it goes from birth to, like, 20s. And he is a he is a uh, a psychologist on child sexual development, and he's a Christian. Nice. So it's, it's he he's he gets about God made things he created and image of God and all of that. So he's actually talking about it. But he's he's a psych- his his training is as a psychologist of human human child sexual development, and that's just a really good book. He read our book, and I thought if he read if he likes our kids' book, we've done it right. Like. This is the guy. Nice. And I gave him the book and he blurbed it for us, Dr. John uh, Trebane. Do believe. you have links to all this stuff on your website? Absolutely. Okay, it's so all right there. Again? JustinHolcomb.com, J U S T I N H O L C O M B. And you, you'll find links to all it's of all, this. It's That's all good. That's there. easy enough. That's the there easiest you. way to go. That's, it sure that's is. really nice. Um, and if folks want to reach out to you, they can do that through that website. Through they the can website. find you there and ask you questions. That's really helpful, Justin. Thanks uh, for sharing this stuff. It's really helpful to hear this so that we're not afraid and we have uh, some good, appropriate things to teach our kids about growing in their stature in Christ. And if you are um, listening today and you would like to respond to me about any of this, feel free to do so at my email, jonathandfrench at gmail.com. Love to hear from you, either questions or comments. And if you haven't already, we'd love for you to... Uh, Respond uh, on iTunes by rating us and uh, writing a couple words about us. That helps our podcast get higher in the rankings, and that really does seem to matter so um, that more people can listen to it. And if you haven't already and you want to, feel free to share this podcast with folks that you know can be benefited by it. Again, Justin, thanks. Great to be with you. And uh, I look forward to seeing the way that this blesses folks. Me too. Amen. Thanks, man.